Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello there. Welcome to the very latest Driven Celebrities podcast. Thank you so much for your company. I really appreciate you taking time to download this and, and listen in every week. It's really kind of you. If this is your first one, welcome to the club. This is the podcast that follows the weekend's radio show. Obviously, we have to cut certain bits. You don't hear any adverts. Great. And you don't hear, unfortunately, the little musical clips we use, which sometimes bring some of the uh, the pieces to life. It's all about the conversations. And frankly, that's where it starts. So I hope you enjoy this. Three really lovely guests today. Um, we have the wonderful Kelly Shirley, phenomenal actor, um, star of EastEnders. She was in over 200 episodes of EastEnders, uh, star of The Office, star of In the Long Run with Idris Elba. Really, really special lady. Then we have the greatest classical artist of all time, the wonderful Catherine Jenkins. Just, she really took me by surprise. I think you'll hear it for yourselves. When I thought of Catherine Jenkins, I'd never met her before, never had anything to do with her. Um, I was expecting her to be, because she's such a huge star, you know, because she has performed in front of everyone and and has such colossal global sales and so on and so forth. I was expecting her to be a, a bit of a princess, if I'm honest. I think I say this to her as well. Um, I was absolutely floored by just what a lovely, lovely person she was. Um, so I hope you enjoy that. She's also been in touch subsequently, and uh, and she's going to come on for a, a filmed version of the show in the Driven Chat truck, which is is really great. And if you don't know what that is, check it out on social media at um, Driven Chat on Instagram, uh, on Twitter, on Facebook. Of course, drivenchat.com, and um, and also we're on YouTube as well. And the last guest for this show is the magical Miriam Margulies, who is brilliant and hilarious. And I'll just tell you a little uh, a little aside that we couldn't um, we couldn't feature in the show because we had to trim it for time and so on and so forth. We were chatting away. She was obviously at home and I was recording from my studio and uh, <laughs> someone knocked on her door and she dealt with it and I could hear how she dealt with it because the microphone obviously was still on. And let me just say, friendly bulldog. I think that's how I would surmise it. She was just absolutely hilarious. There's also a quick snippet of our podcast stuff with Kelvin Fletcher. He's a guest on the Driven Chat podcast, which is the automotive spin-off. This is, of course, Driven Celebrities. It's all the celebrities from the weekend's radio show uh, on Talk Radio. But the Driven Chat podcast is where you can get your automotive fix. And our special guest is Kelvin Fletcher, winner of Strictly Come Dancing 2019, Emmerdale star, British GT champion, etc. Lovely, lovely guy. So if you're into your cars and you like Kelvin Fletcher, check out the Driven Chat podcast. Anyway, enough cross-promotion. You want to get on with the show, right? I just wanted to thank you again. If you'd be kind enough to write us a review and tell your friends, that would be really special too. Let's jump in, shall we? Driven with Andy J on Talk Radio in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hey there, it's Driven here on Talk Radio. I'm Andy J. What a show we have lined up for you today. Let me tell you about our three incredible guests. We've got Kelly Shirley, star of EastEnders, The Office, and In the Long Run, a truly incredible actor and a really lovely lady. 
Then we have the world's most successful classical singer and the biggest selling classical artist of the century. It's Catherine Jenkins. And last but by no means least, she was Professor Sprout. She won a BAFTA for the Age of Innocence. The always controversial and genuinely hilarious Miriam Margulies, also on the show today. This is Driven, the show that talks to celebrities and achievers about what drives them. I'm Andy J. Let's do this. Driven with Andy J on Talk Radio in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Right then, the first interview we have for you this week is with EastEnders Carly Wicks, the actor who played that role at least, and now she's in Skies in the long run. It is the lovely Kelly Shirley. Now, we recorded this interview in our brand new Driven truck, which we're taking around the UK to get you to your favourite celebrities' homes. And you can see these videos, by the way, on the Talk Radio Twitter page, that's at Talk Radio, and at drivenchat.com. Now, I started by asking Kelly all about the London Marathon that she ran last year for Barbara's Revolution to support her EastEnders mentor, Barbara Windsor. So there was seven or eight of us from, like, not, you know, from EastEnders, from her... Uh, you know, close friends. So Barbara was my mentor when I was at EastEnders and we've become, you know, really good friends and she's a massive part of my life still. And so when she got diagnosed, we all wanted to do something for her and for the the charity because I think nearly everybody knows somebody who's got dementia. My mum worked, well, works in care homes. I worked in care homes when I was in between acting jobs. And so... Yeah, just I just wanted to I wanted to do something for her and for for that charity, and so that was brilliant last year. I think it's such a remarkable thing to hear, Kelly, because you know, I mean, I've often <coughs> thought to myself about about people who work in care homes. I've always thought, just what heroes, you know? I, I don't I don't know how. Oh, I played bingo. I mean, I I, I had the best time ever. I, I I was on biscuits and tea, and and I yeah, and I was the bingo caller. I mean, I had honestly, I had the best the best time ever. I mean, it was. Obviously hardcore as well sometimes, and but just to be be with people when when they're going through you know, a tough time and hopefully giving something to their lives. Um, yes, it was a really nice thing to do. Yes, just you're, I mean you know, I can't here, say this enough. I sort of well no, but I felt this just kind of you know when I was looking into your your off-screen activities and, and, you know, just spending five minutes with you now, it makes me feel like you're a really good soul. You it's know? my halo, just like ding, well, ding, ding, ding. Well, yeah, we need more people <laughs> like you. There are so many people that just take their lives for granted and they just, they don't care. And, you know, this show is called Driven. It is about what drives people mm. and, and, and you know, what makes them step up and do remarkable things. And I would say in your case, there's, there's kind of three remarkable things going on. There's your remarkable career, which is phenomenal and we haven't even jumped into it yet. I'd love to talk to you about this that. This is so nice. I'm loving all these compliments. But it's, yeah, but it's just, you deserve them. You know, you're, you're living it, and I, and I think that needs to be celebrated. Then there's the, the, the fact that you do all these remarkable things for, for other people and charities, etc. And you're a mum of twins. You know, that in itself is an exhausting, phenomenal, glorious, <laughs> remarkable achievement as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that, that's all down to just lots of tequila. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel very lucky to be a, tw- a twin mum. And, you know, and lockdown actually has been really cool, like, just to hang out with them loads. When you wake up in the morning, yeah. and it's not the twins that are waking you up, and we all know no, it's parents, always the it's twins, always the twins waking me up. But but when they aren't the first thing in your head, yeah. what is it that enters your mind about your day? I just genuinely love life. I love life, and I feel very lucky. And I just think we live in a you know country that's 
pretty good, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I know it's got its problems, but we're, we're just lucky and, and, I, and I feel blessed. I've got two healthy kids. I've got, I live a nice life and I just, I've, I just live, I just live. Dear son, I am worried about your little brother Valentine, so I am sending him to live with you. Cannot believe I'm here at last. If you're going to live here, there's going to be some rules. What fine English weather we are having. Have you done something wrong? That's the trailer for Idris Elba's In the Long Run that you can see on Sky and Now TV now. And Kelly, of course, you are starring in it. Now, you've got to tell us, what's it like working with the legend that is Idris Elba? He's kind of got that that about him, that charisma that Michael Jordan has, yeah. in, a, in a way. And he's just, he's just ridiculously charismatic and another, you know, he's very giving with his with himself, with his time and to do good things. He pulls people up with him, you know? Yeah. And um, in the long run's pretty special. It's the first ever West African family is at the helm of, of a TV show, you know? That's the, the only thing I can think about is Desmond's. I was about to bring Desmond's up, and yeah. Because I remember that from my youth. That was Caribbean. Right. Or, yeah, that, yeah, you know, that, yeah. Set in the hairdressers, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And so there, were, there hasn't been anything ever on TV. That's mad, isn't it? You know, in this country, or in Europe, that's had, had uh, West African gays, and it's completely like his upbringing in the 80s. Yeah. Coming over from Sierra Leone, his family, and um, yeah, how how tough, funny, brilliant, growing up on a council estate is in East London, and yeah. it's properly properly funny. It's a great watch, it's, but it's it's <laughs> it's kind of got it's kind of got that office vibe as well, hasn't it? Which in fact, weren't you in the office as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was how can I? A long time ago. Yeah, no, that's also... 17 years ago, someone got in touch on Twitter the other day to tell me. I mean, look at that. I I was going to go back to, you know, it's like The Office in the sense that it's, you know, in the long run, it's funny as well as actually it has moments that are really kind of very social commentary to the max, you know, well done. Plus the shell suits, obviously. Shell suits. You know. Pretty, pretty big, amazing. Big yeah. factor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, but... So just look at the people that you've worked with as well. I mean, you know, Ricky Gervais, obviously, from The Office. Yeah. I mean, he's just gone on to do incredible things. I know, did, I'd love to work with him again. I was going to say, did, did he ever sort of call you about, you know, so listen, I've got this afterlife thing going on. No, they, I, I did get a call years ago to do extras, and then I was doing EastEnders at the same time, and then I wasn't allowed to oh. have the time off, and I was, and it was the David Bowie one. Oh, no. And so, Funny little fat man. Yeah. Oh. And it was just a little part in that, and, and, I, and I couldn't do it, and I remember being... Oh, I'm going to say too much. I remember going into the EastEnders office and up on the wall, it tells you about when you're going to be off. Right. And, and I said, oh, I know that I'm going to be off this time. I can see on the board, please, can I go and just do this tiny, tiny little part in this thing? And they were like, no, we can't, we can't release you. Oh. <laughs> oh. And you would have been singing, pug, pug, pug. <laughs> you would have been there in that but, scene with was, David Bowie. Oh, know. no. That is... Anyway, I was about to say you strike strike me as someone that has no regrets, but that, who wouldn't regret that? Oh no. Um, That's the only time I've ever got a call from him. So maybe, maybe again, I'm available now. Have you still got his number? I haven't got his number, I've got Stephen still. Have you? Yeah. I loved at the start of the coronavirus, Stephen did the whole kind of, right, you want to know what two metres is? And he just (laughs) lay down, didn't he? It's me. (laughs) 
I'm two meters. If you're not me apart, which is massive. <laughs> yeah, is He's massive. a big guy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've respected him for ages. He's doing well. They're, they're all such lovely people. I just love this. I didn't. I kind of didn't really connect the dots between thinking about afterlife as well and everything else. But yeah, you've your career has been. Really I haven't done afterlife. No, I, know, I, I would know. have liked. I know, but I was just thinking. You know, Series three. They're doing it now. They are, aren't In they? In fact, all all of our backstage crew um, and costume department and makeup are all on afterlife. All of them. You need to start telling him about how you're writing because you know <laughs> it's all about journalists, isn't it? You need to start going. Come on, Ricky. Look. <laughs> I'm Do you pretty mean with a typewriter. From 17 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> of course he does. How could he not? So look, it's impossible to be able to kind of say, right, these, these were the most amazing moments professionally mm. because you clearly had so many. But what are, when you kind of, when you're having your daydream moments, when you're kind of flicking through your, your kind of personal mental album of landmark times, yes. what really stands out for you? Well, there must be a, certain scenes or certain watching yourself back and wow, I, that was a really special moment. What sort of, oh. what comes back to you? Okay, I can remember that this is a bit of a disgusting scene. Oh, I can remember, okay, there's one on EastEnders with Linda Henry and I had to spit at her in the face. Ooh. Which, and of course, you can't spit at somebody, especially not now, but, yeah. but even back then. So because I couldn't spit at her, I had to throw KY jelly on the end of a paintbrush to pretend to be spit. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. Surreal thing. Wow. Ever in the square, and we were crying with laughter. I just, bet. You know, thinking that we've been, you know, been to drama school. Yeah. You know, we've been doing Shakespeare, and, and here I am. Ah, oh, this is about your dad, isn't it? You're angry with your dad, and you know the one thing that he would really hate is you going out with me. And now you're here. You can't do it, can you? Oh, it's all great for you, isn't it? You come here, you got your nice little flat, your little job. You got Dean running around for you like a little puppy. And now we've dad gone wild! Never! Wanted him to go! Let's finish with this one. It's a question I ask lots of guests. Mm. It's what your dream road trip would be. Okay, mm. so I'm going to give you the opportunity to choose any vehicle you want, any venue you want to, you driving any road you want to. But the key thing is you can have four passengers, and they can be celebrities or figures of fantasy, alive or dead, doesn't matter. Okay. Who do you take on your journey? You don't have to have met them or worked with them. Can it get dark? No. Absolutely get dark, yeah. Okay. Dark is good. Okay. <laughs> I would like to take with me, I think, Putin Ooh. and Trump. Wow. He's more orange than me, and um, Boris, and I would probably like to put them on some kind of island away from anybody, you know, and just <laughs> leave them there. <laughs> See, there you are saving the world again. Wow. With your, with your, some people will go, do you know what, I'd really love to have had a chat with Marilyn Monroe. You're like, oh. no, I'm going to take the people that I think have done damage to the planet and, would, and stick them on an island on their own. I would, without any phones or anything, and probably with sharks going all around it. That's what I would do. Wow. So probably my, I'd use a boat, I think. Fine. I'd have to, maybe a helicopter, and have to get them to like jump out, push them out of the head. Yes, I'd use a <laughs> helicopter and I'd push them out into. <laughs> it's not I'm a celebrity, it's your dream road trip. <laughs> yeah. But there you go. That would be dream. I, that would be, I would feel really good about that. <laughs> and then I would fly off. 
into the distance just waving i love it i love it kelly thank you so much for your company today thank You've been you such a soul it's been lovely to talk to you just quickly what's next we know in the long run season three is out very soon yes and what's well in fact when this goes out in the long run season three is out now yeah um and so what's what's next something 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 you got your eye on so as soon as our industry is back back to normal um, I was meant to start on a job called Benediction which is a film um, about the war poet Seafried Sassoon with Peter oh. Capaldi and I think Jack O'Connell's playing, playing the lead in it. Wow, um, that's Dolce de Coramest, isn't it? Mm? That's the that's Siegfried, Siegfried Sassoon. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so hopefully but back on that November, wow. and if not, then next year, depending on COVID. My thanks to Kelly Shirley. You can see her on In the Long Run with Idris Elba on Sky and catch up on Now TV. Coming up after the break, I'm excited for this, Catherine Jenkins. Driven with Andy J on Talk Radio in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. You're listening to Driven here on Talk Radio with me, Andy J. And I'll tell you what, now I have a real pinch yourself moment. I am so elated to be able to introduce my next guest. The world's most successful classical singer, the biggest classical artist of the century. And by that, I mean in terms of sales rather than size. It is the wonderful, the resplendent, I'm elated to have her on the show, the amazing Catherine Jenkins. <laughs> Hello. Hi, what a lovely Ka- introduction. <laughs> well, Thank you. <laughs> I, re- I realised, Catherine, I was potentially t- kind of talking myself down a strange hole there when I said biggest artist of the century. Because <laughs> people might have had a... Well, I mean, I suppose when we talk about opera and things, you think of the likes of Pavarotti. You know, he, he wasn't small, to be fair. To be fair, no. (laughs) (laughs) But you, on the other hand, are tiny, yet you have this enormous, phenomenal voice. And of course, I mean, mean, Catherine, what is it like? You know, I've obviously just mentioned those two sentences that you must be acutely aware of, the most successful classical singer of all time, the biggest selling classical artist of the century. You know, how does that actually feel to have that around your, on your shoulders, around your persona? What's that like? (sighs) It still feels very unbelievable, actually. You know, I think back to the beginning and, um, you know, when I got my first record contract, I was 23. Um, and my, my mum and I we were the only people that knew that I'd signed this record contract. And we didn't tell anybody for six months because my mum kept saying, well, things like this don't happen to people from Nice. <laughs> um, and so we, you know, we just, it, it still feels, I mean, obviously I know it all happened and, and it's, you know, it's been a, 17 year kind of journey that I've loved and feel incredibly lucky to have been on but it still feels very surreal um and I'm I'm obviously very grateful to everybody who's supported me along the way and 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 helped it happen do you know it's it's so lovely to hear you say that because of course you were a teacher when you got this record deal weren't you 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 had a, a very sort of you know when you're a teacher you you have a life planned out don't you you get into teaching it's a vocation you've got your students and you 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 kind of know where life's gonna go do you know what I mean well, my mum actually really wanted me to go into teaching because I'd been studying at the Royal Academy of Music and my mum was like, well, you know, I'm not sure this singing is a real job. So um, you need to have a good backup plan. And and I was really thankful for that kind of like sound advice. And I really 
really enjoyed the the, the teaching. Um, I had wonderful children that you know really wanted to to learn music, um, and I've always said it's something I'd like to go back to. But I, you know, as it happened, I was I was still teaching when I when I got the record contract, and then when I was making the first album, or when I was then promoting the first album. Um, and you know, thrilled to say that I'm still in touch with quite a few of the of the children I taught, um, and so some really good memories. Wow. I mean, how how rewarding and lovely to hear that. I mean, Catherine, you've had so many moments in your life where you must have just kind of thought to yourself, hang on, is, is this real? Is this actually happening? <laughs> so many in that it's really hard to sort of, you know, just pick some of the highlights. But I think probably the real pinch yourself moments of things. I mean, singing for the Queen, I always think that's just a massive honour. Being a Welsh girl, you know, getting to sing to uh, Tom Jones on his 65th birthday. And then when I was growing up, I was a massive fan of uh, the TV show Neighbours. Um, <laughs> and too. I couldn't... Yeah, right. And then as a, you know, as a seven-year-old or 10-year-old, whatever it was, you know, being obsessed with that show and watching Kylie and Jason's wedding to then, uh, you know, sort of Kylie one day saying to me, do you fancy coming and being my surprise guest at the Royal Albert Hall? And it's getting to sort of do this duet of your disco needs you in a totally camp and fabulous way. It was amazing. And, um, and I think things like that where you think, I'd love to go back to the little girl and say, this is going to happen one day because I definitely wouldn't have ever believed it. That's, I mean, that's absolutely brilliant. Do you know, I, I've actually been lucky enough to see you sing in front of the Queen. I was invited to Westminster Abbey a couple of years ago and uh, the Queen was there and, and Big Phil was there. And, and, and it, was, it, was a very, it, was, it was one of these things where I couldn't believe I'd been invited. You probably know what I mean when I say that because, you know, I'm sat next yeah. to, you know, a, a Rugby World Cup winners on my left. My mum's on my right, of course, because you've got to take your mum to these things chance to meet the queen and you know that the, the ceremony was very lavish very fancy lots of famous faces in the audience and then out you stepped and you were high you were not, you were high rising on, on the bleachers as they as they'd call them obviously that's not the official term in, in Westminster Abbey they've got some <laughs> far more fancy term for it and you know that the the light caught you and you just sung and it honestly it was like an angel had filled the space you blew oh. us away it was phenomenal <laughs> Oh, thank you. That's very, very kind of you to say. Um, I always think, like, sort of, you know, occasions like that, you feel that sense of, um, you know, of occasion, and you, you sort of feel like, oh, I better, you know, I better be top of my game today because it's always such an honour to be asked to perform at that kind of national occasion. Um, and some amazing memories over the years. We're both parents, okay? So let, let's talk a little, a little bit, kind of. Uh... Let's be a, little bit, a bit real here. So I've hosted lots and lots of live television in my time. And you're kind of aware. It's, it's different to doing something pre-recorded or in a studio where, you know, you, you can't see an audience or whatever. When you're doing, when you're doing a big live event, you, you kind of know there's a lot of people watching, you know, be it at home or, or, or yeah. whatever it might be. And I have always found prior to being a parent, actually, that I would get really very nervous. In a good way, I could channel the nerves, but I would really feel the nerves. You know, after parenting, it was more kind of like, yeah, I'm a dad, you know, and I could do anything sort of thing. But you must, <laughs> like on these huge events of which you do so many, I, I have found they never become normal. They just become a bit easier to deal with. But, but I don't have to sing and look incredible and be amazing and be the absolute centre of attention. You do. You know, do you, do you kind of do you get a little bit windy backstage? Do you get a bit like oh? Here we go. <laughs> um, I would like to say that it gets easier, but I don't think it does. Um, 
I, you know, I think that with every time I'm asked to do something like that, um, singing, you know, it's something like the Olympics in the Mall, um, or, you know, singing at a private thing for Her Majesty the Queen. It's sort of like, it doesn't really matter. I always, I get those, those kind of good nerves. Um, and I'm not generally a nervous performer, but I just get those kind of like, good nerves that that make you want to be your best. Um, I agree with you, though, since I've had children, I think that's been a really good reality check in terms of, you know, think of keeping everything in perspective, thinking, you know, oh, come on, you can do this, you can juggle it, you know, it's a, it's a completely different world once you've had kids. Yeah. Um, and often the sort of reality of, I might be backstage at the Albert Hall and, you know, my little my little son has been sick on me <laughs> before I'm going to get on the red carpet or something <laughs> like that. You know, it's all real. And that, and that definitely happens backstage and, you know, things like that. They just kind of make you realise that, oh, you can't get too wound up or, or, you know, caught up in it all. I was just about to say that. I was like, do you, do you have to stay away from your mobile phone just before you go on stage? Because there's going to be an update from hubby about, you know, they're not to sleep yet. <laughs> they're still awake. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Definitely that happened. I'm interested and invested in everything you have to say, but I do have the majesty waiting to hear me sing. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's it's a little bit about, let's put them in boxes here, mentally. You know, okay, yes, but also this is how we pay the bills, love. Just give me me a minute, you know. (laughs) What is a day like for you at home, Catherine? Because obviously I realise lockdown was very different. You know, you've been doing wonderful performances from people, but still we are all locked down at home. We've all been in it together. Together. We've all had a lot more kind of unexpected time, but but lockdown and and away from in what we call the normal times as well. You know, what is a, a normal day for you? Because I imagine you sort of drifting between orchestras and conductors and recording studios and phenomenal events and, and always looking absolutely incredible. Are you ever just kind of, you know, slouching in a tracksuit and saying, call me Kath? Of course, <laughs> of course I am. Of course I am. There's a, you know, there's. I, I'm quite lucky that I get to, um, you know, I get to work from home as much as I can. Um, so I prefer to be, you know, with the kids at home. Um, and then to, to kind of, if I've got a concert in another country, I'll go in and out as quickly as possible so I can get back to them. Uh, I think what's been a sort of gift of this time, really, if we're trying to look at the positives of of life in lockdown is that I don't think Andrew and I, my husband, I don't think we've ever been in the house this many days in a row together since we met. I don't think it's ever happened. Um, And so that's been really lovely to kind of like have all of this time fully together and learning to find a new normal. But I've definitely been keeping busy in, in, you know, in different ways. Um, I thought when we when we all got locked down that I was going to get to read all those books that I wanted to do and (laughs) organize my photo album and all that kind of stuff. It so hasn't happened, you know, different things like doing the Facebook concerts every week and VE Day and, and the NHS single and all of this kind of stuff has been keeping me really busy. And I've actually been happy for it to have the excuse of, of the concerts on a Saturday night to get me out of my pyjamas and make me put a bit of makeup on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm exactly the same, Catherine, although minus the, <laughs> minus the makeup, but definitely, definitely the pyjamas. I mean, when I look at what you've done, Catherine, you know, that... There's just so much that you've achieved in such a short space of... I know 17 years doesn't seem like a short space of time, but it, it really is when you see everything that you've managed to achieve and all your incredible accolades and, and, and all the things that you you know, you know, seem to be, be kind of doing. But but then then I sort of saw that actually it's not just singing. Hang on a sec. You're, you're also turning into a movie star? You really don't want to stop, do you? 
Oh, I'm not ready to. I, I definitely wouldn't call myself a movie star yet. Yeah, I, I got to do my first film last year, which, which was really amazing. Um, kind of got talked into it because my my husband was directing it, and and we're both involved in conservation and environmental stuff. And it's a true story about a fishing village in Japan that was being poisoned by methyl mercury between the the 50s and the 70s. So it's like a very important story to tell. He said, "Come on, I really think you can do this part." But I knew that that involved me being in, you know, my first ever scene in a movie, being with Johnny Depp and Bill Nye. And I thought that's quite overwhelming, isn't it? Yes. Talk about being thrown in right at the deep end. Um, and so I got to do that, which more fun than I thought it would be. I had a great time and an amazing cast and amazing family on that film. But I also got involved with the music. So I was able to do this thing on the soundtrack, which um, was written by Ryuchi Sakamoto. So I loved to get to work with him and also co-wrote the, the title track for the film. So, um, yeah, it's been a, it, that's been a, a, a big family project that obviously has been massive in Andrew's life and it's been nice for me to weave in and out of what he's doing. I wouldn't call myself a movie star. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, the audience is going to differ. It's it's out soon, isn't it? Obviously, with, with COVID and cinemas not being open, things are, uh, have been delayed, but I think it will be out at towards the end of this year yeah. um, it's called Minamata and yeah it, it, it'll be out and I'm very excited for people to see it because just before the lockdown we actually had the premiere at the Berlin Film Festival and they got amazing reviews oh, so it'll wow. be nice for people to finally see it you see you're calling yourself not a movie star once it comes out just you wait then you'll have Spielberg on the phone and Duncan Jones and you'll be like <laughs> um, well I have got quite a, few, quite a few gigs to do but let's see what we can fit in you know, it does. I mean, it does feel like the world is your oyster, Catherine. And, and and from the sound of talking to you, we've never met before, but you just sound such a warm, lovely and real person. You know, it's just it's so nice and refreshing to hear someone that's achieved so much to be so grounded and balanced and aware of themselves. I, I think it's absolutely wonderful. I've got to ask you, of course, you. about this wonderful new album, Cinema Paradiso, which is which is now out. 14. It's your 14th studio album, isn't it? With 15 tracks on it. And what a range of songs you've chosen. It was a really lovely album to make because obviously with all this influence of film at home and I've always loved film music because I think there's a very close connection between classical and, and film music. I had no idea when I made this album last year and kind of trying to create a almost like a greatest hits of musical film moments. So as soon as you heard each track, you would could immediately think of the the scene or the film. So things like, you know, Singing in the Rain, um, West Side Story, A Star Is Born, yeah. Moon River from Breakfast at Tiffany, that made Lord me of cry the Rings. This morning, incidentally, Moon. I listened. I've, I've, I heard the album this morning. I listened to Moon River with my with my littlest in the room, and I literally burst into tears. I was like, Oh my goodness, me. Oh, <laughs> oh gosh, that's so lovely. It Thank you. <laughs> so much amazing music that falls into that category, and of course, at the end of last year, nobody had any idea what was coming in 2020 and we were going to have the album out in April but we put it back because let's face it we all had more important things to be facing at that time but I didn't realise that you know now when we've released it we would have relied on films to give us such a sense of escapism and entertainment and nostalgia and the album's really nostalgic so um, it's a kind of very nice tie in with everything that's happened and I'm just very happy that I didn't make a depressing album because right now we think we need uplifting music yes. so that's definitely what this album is yes absolutely yes I should quantify my crying to moon river was was happy tears not not sad tears. <laughs> <laughs> just in case people think it's going to be a gush fest no it's just it's just lovely Catherine you seem so grounded and, and so real and so natural and, and, it, and it is incredible but but again 
you know, I, I want to ask you about, about your childhood because, of course, you know, very, very sadly, if you don't mind talking about this, you know, you, you lost your father, Selwyn, when you were, when you were just 15. And, and I've noticed that with all your albums, every single one has been dedicated to your dad, which I, I think is absolutely delightful. You know, he obviously casts a long shadow over everything you do. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm so grateful that I had 15 years with him, but it's so um, it's so sad that he didn't get to see any of the stuff that happened. My my mum was actually the sort of main breadwinner of our family. My dad took early retirement and was, um, you know, shuttling me back and forth from school to singing lessons or choir practice or whatever it was. And he always made me feel in a kind of, you know, non-pushy parent way, but just very supportive like I, I believe you can make I can believe you can make it I'm going to see you on This Is Your Life one day this kind of you know this kind of like quiet confidence that he was trying to give me and and I believe in some ways that he did know it was going to happen even if I didn't believe it myself um, so I think it is quite sad that he didn't get to physically see it all happen yeah. but I truly believe he's been with me on the journey somebody's been guiding me and every time I, I, I perform whether that's you know live or in my Facebook concerts on the weekend, you know, I stand there and I always have a little word with him first and then I sing. Catherine, I've fallen in love with you, head over heels. I mean, you know, just <laughs> what, what an absolute joy you are. I'll just describe myself to you. I don't know if this appeals. I'm extremely handsome. I'm, I'm, ex- I'm delightful. I'm charming. Uh, I've got muscles everywhere. Of course, none of that is actually true. Um, we're, we're both happily married, but, you know, every now and again, you just meet someone and you think, well, there's a connection here. I mean, hey. You sound lovely. <laughs> <laughs> just as I was thinking it was all one-sided. <laughs> my, my thanks to Catherine Jenkins. And don't forget to download her album, Cinema Paradiso, out to download and buy now. After the break, my final guest of this week, it's the formidable Miriam Margulies. Driven with Andy J on Talk Radio in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. You're listening to Driven with me, Andy J. Now I am thrilled to be able to welcome a BAFTA-winning actor, a national treasure, and someone I used to sit opposite on the Northern Line heading into Soho. It's Miriam Margulies. How are you doing, Miriam? Well, I never knew that. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) That was you, right? About 15, 20 years ago? It would be, yes. The Northern Line, unfortunately, is my line. I knew it. I knew it was you. There was, I literally, I sat opposite you on the front carriage of the Northern Line probably a hundred times. And I was always like, yeah, I gave you a cheeky little grin. And sometimes you replied and sometimes you ignored me, which is fair enough. (laughs) Well, if I'd known it was you, I probably wouldn't have ignored you. (laughs) Miriam, we've so much to talk about and at so little time. So shall we dive straight in with this wonderful new show on BBC Two, Almost Australian? There are a few things a 78-year-old lady like me needs, and one of them is a toilet outside the kitchen. What made you take this decision to do this? Well, I had a house, but I also had a mortgage. I thought better to feel wealthy in something small than feel anxious about mortgage and maintenance on a single pension. It was an exhausting, challenging business, you know, and I'm, I'm not a young woman anymore, and I'm not an active young woman, I'm afraid, or even an active old woman, but I was on this. It, it, uh, 
It was thrilling. And I learned a lot about Australia. And the main thing is the people I met. I mean, the program, although my name's on the title, it's really about the people that I met. I do love the country. And when I criticise, it's because I want it to be better. Yes. Well, it's, it's all about chasing the Australian dream. Is, is that right? And, and finding out if that is really a thing anymore. Well, that was in the first episode. There's other, there's the concept of mateship is examined as well next week. But uh, yes, I mean, the first one is about what is the Australian dream, which is actually very much like what is the American dream or anybody's dream. Um, it's a house of your own and, in, and, and a nice little picket fence and um, an easy life. But it's not all like that. Yes, yes. Well, I've, I've been reading about the episodes to come and it sounds like you've got some amazing things on the way, hanging out with transgender Tiwi Islanders, getting involved in some Aussie rules, hanging out at a, a koala rescue centre, surfing. I mean, these are, these are things I would have down on the bucket list, Miriam. <laughs> well, don't worry. No one's going to see me in a bikini, so everybody can relax on that one. Um, I do go to the beach, but... You, you have to go to the beach if you're in Australia because an awful lot of, of Australian life is about the sea and, and beach life. And that's what people see on those real estate programs, you know, is escape and, and they, they show you the beach. But there's an awful lot more as well. And some of it is wonderful and some of it isn't. Yes, yes. I remember the very first time I went to Australia, my only experience of it was from watching Neighbours and Home and Away. So I just assumed, <laughs> yes. you know, Well, I mean, that was my experience too until I went on this trip. And, and one of the things that I learned was how vast the country is yeah. because we all live in our own little bubble and it's just, you know, the people we see, the people we know, the world we live in. But there's a huge exterior. Um, well, they call it the interior, you know, the outback. Yeah. And there it is. And it is scary and overwhelming yes yes I, I i can remember landing and getting immediately on a night bus that just traveled for i think it was 17 hours and there was nothing to see the entire time it was just this big empty space and you're like wow how big is this place this is crazy well it takes seven hours to fly across australia yeah. it is a continent it's not a country yeah amazing Amazing. It's, I mean, it does sound like you had a huge, it, it's sort of not just a lot of fun, but a very educational experience making this show. Yes, it was, because, you know, you learn from people. You learn how to look at life through someone else's eyes. And that's originally why I became an actress, because I'm not a documentarian. I'm, I'm an actress, really. And it's a bit cheeky of me to try to do something else. But I am profoundly curious I want to know about people. I want to to really understand why they see life differently from me. Mm. And this is a way of doing it. Has that always been the case with you, Miriam? Because like you say, as, as an actor, you are, you are naturally inhabiting other personalities, other, other character types. Don't call me an actor. I'm an actress. Okay. Thank you. Thank you <laughs> I'm a lady. I'm a lady, darling. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, yes, I have always, I've always wanted to know everything about everybody. And I ask questions, sometimes impertinent questions, because I feel there's so little time for us to get to know the things we need to know. Yeah. And so I get down to the nitty gritty as quickly as possible. I think we do need to know about each other. 
because otherwise we're going to die because already Brexit has horribly split the nation and we're not a United Kingdom anymore. It doesn't feel like that. And, you know, obviously you can tell I was a Remainer and, and that's my position. But I don't want to hate people who voted differently. I've got to try to understand them mm. and, and, and see the world through their eyes. And they've got to do the same. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Um, Miriam, I, I need to ask you about watching Rosie, because this is another project of yours that's that's on the way. This will be available from the 6th of August. And this sounds like a, a huge challenge a remarkable yes, well, it was completely different because instead of getting on a inside a huge truck and going for thousands of miles, I was stuck inside my house um, facing a zoom camera and um, playing a woman with Alzheimer's, which hopefully is not going to be my fate, but you never can tell. And um, I did it to help raise funds for the dementia. Uh, society UK dementia because it's a problem that uh, almost every family knows about even if it's not in your own family you know of others who've who've had this terrible disease and seen the havoc that it causes and I just wanted to try to help in the way that I can I'm working with a very clever team god it was difficult I mean it really is very hard because you know when you're when you're Filming with a, 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 a really—it's basically just an iPhone, you know, a mobile, a mobile phone camera. You're not getting the, the experience of working with someone. You're just looking into a cold little eye, and it's not a human eye. And I, I really found it hard. And it's very much like my own mother, actually, because even when Mummy um, had her stroke and couldn't speak, she she would grip my arm and say, "Get married, get married." Brilliant. Because she was so anxious for me to do so. I don't think she would have been if she'd known I was marrying a woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to ask you about Heather. How did she feel about you? We're coming back to almost Australian again. How did she feel about you going off for such a long time? Well, we are very used to uh, living apart because we do. She's in Amsterdam most of the time and I'm in, in London most of the time. And Australia is the place where we can be together. I think one of the reasons that we've we've had a relationship which has lasted for 52 years, by the way, um, is because we don't live together. <laughs> so I haven't got any, any tips for marriage. Uh, by the way, uh, we have a civil partnership, not a not an actual marriage. But I think she all she said was, for goodness sake, don't talk about me and don't I don't want to be in it. (laughs) (laughs) She said, you know, you get on with it. It's your thing. Do it. Those are nice, easy rules. I like that. And and clearly, I just need to tell my wife to move to Amsterdam and everything will be fine. I I don't think she'd be thrilled about that but it it works for us look everybody has their own thing don't they they do they do i think she'd absolutely love it actually um the the last (laughs) one i have to ask you about miriam it's because i've noticed this and i'm such a huge fan of this that i just need to get just a little line from you because it just sounds amazing is the sandman where you're playing despair Yes, well, I, I'm so embarrassed about this because I've never heard of Neil Gaiman wow. and I didn't know anything about The Sandman or any of those programs, but I have worked before 
for the wonderful director and producer of the whole thing, Dirk Mag. Yeah. And he asked me, you know, would I do it? And I said, well, I don't know what it is. What is it? And <laughs> he, was, he turned pale and said, well... I'll send you the script. And of course, when I read the script, I thought it was wonderfully imaginative. And, yes. and I'm very proud to be a part of it. And I feel embarrassed that my my knowledge of, of, of uh, you know, pop culture is, is so desperately small. Well, what an incredible thing to discover, though. I mean, bizarrely, I found out about it because Dirk Mags and I, what a name, incidentally, are friends on Facebook. And he put a picture of you up on Facebook the other day going, Miriam's here to record as despair. And I was like, that's a Amazing. Wow. <laughs> well, I started in radio, and I think probably I will finish in radio, or the equivalent of it, because podcasts and so on are really just radio and voice work. And although I've got old, my voice hasn't, and I've been able to retain some energy and uh, crispness, which uh, my body, unfortunately, has not allowed me to do. You're so busy. What's next for you? Have you got something? Are you going to have a little rest, or is there just loads happening? I am going to have a rest, but I, before I go on my holiday to Italy, which I've been looking forward to desperately, because I'm not very good at this lockdown thing. I, I feel very trammeled. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm finishing the recording of the Warringham Chronicles, which is a very long and rather wonderful historical novel set in the 14th century. It, I think it's the longest book ever recorded, and I'm the narrator. It's got loads of wonderful people in it. And the first book, um, which was, I think, called Scarlet, Scarlet City, that's right, Scarlet City, was such a hit that... Um, bang! They asked me to do another one. I'm not prepared to kneel under the under the bed with with duvets and record. I do have to have a bit of comfort. I mean, I'm nearly eighty, and I've done my best, you know. So. <laughs> Thanks to Miriam Margulies, who you can see on Almost Australian on BBC Two on Friday night at 9pm. Now, each week we record a special spin-off podcast for you to listen to. This week, you'll hear Emmerdale and Strictly champion Kelvin Fletcher, who you may not know has always loved cars. I started out in 2012 as a hobby, dipped my toe in a little bit. A huge car enthusiast, huge car fan. As I said, you know, uh, previously, there's, there's many a story of me going to bed with a spanner as a three or four year old. You know, that was my comfort blanket. My dad was a mechanic. It's not the best toy in the world. It's not the best toy. It's all we could afford. <laughs> Very difficult if you need to chew on something in the night. <laughs> yeah, nice uh, 10 mil uh, ratchet there. But no, it was. Uh, it's, it's, I was obsessed with cars. I was, I am, you know, an absolute petrol head. Like since you were a child, like since it, I was a kid, your, 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 any of your parents or grandparents or anything that got you into into cars. My dad, as I said, was a diesel fitter at the time, so he was a truck okay. mechanic. Uh, but he had you know, great cars, but the, the big Vauxhall and Ford mm -hmm. family we were. So at the time, my one of my earliest memories was uh, his Vauxhall Cavalier SRI one thirty. Cool. Um, you know, just in the garage here, I've got a Mark one Cavalier, I've got a Ford Anglia, so mm -hmm. I've got quite a few classics myself. Awesome. And, and all very unassuming. It's not an E-type Jaguar. It's not, you know, then, then I'm not going to retire on, on the value of those cars. But for me, they really represent um, that period, you know, through mm -hmm. the 80s. Um, the car on my bedroom wall was a, a Ford Sierra RS500 Cosworth. That today nice. is still my favourite all-time car with the Ferrari F40. But, mm -hmm. you know, my, my top three cars is the Ford um, RS500 Cosworth, Ferrari F40 second, and third is a Lotus Carlton. Cool. Uh, Good as, as, a, as, a, as a teenager growing up that was for me 
It was accessible in a sense of, I think my dad had the Cavalier GSI 2000 at the time. So the Carlton 3000 was the, was the big brother and the Lotus Carlton was the, the absolute daddy. You know, yeah. I, I never saw one on the road. They were, abs- you know, they were the unicorns that you would never see one. And, and I very nearly bought one a couple of years ago and wish I had because the value of those cars now have, have gone up. It's, yeah. it's crazy. So yeah, I guess cars has always been in my blood. That's the Driven Chat podcast, which you can hear alongside previous episodes where we discuss cars. And of course, there is a podcast of our celebrity chat, Driven Celebrities. Find all the details at drivenchat.com. Now, who's on the show next week? Oh, it's a big one. Really thrilled to be able to say we have singing sensation Janet Devlin, the cast of Netflix's Umbrella Academy, and he's an acting heartthrob, Mr. Emmett Scanlon. That's Driven next week here on Talk Radio. Driven with Andy J on Talk Radio in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.